you're waiting. I want to begin today by talking about why we have always, it's just been our practice, incorporated Mother's Day, also Father's Day, into our church calendar. You know, they're not in the Bible, of course, as it's not, we're not told to have a special day of recognition, honor for mothers or fathers. Uh, We don't, they're not even linked to any biblical event. You know, we don't have that kind of instruction for Christmas or, or Resurrection Sunday either, but we do it. Those are linked to events, of course. We're, we're not, you know, we don't have a Father Abraham Day and use that to honor all fathers or, you know, Mary, Mother of Jesus Day and use that to, you know, just to uh, honor all mothers. Well, if we didn't get it from the Bible, where did we get it? There's no use hiding it. We got it first from the United States government. 1914, President Woodrow Wilson issued a statement he said his idea has changed fly the flag fly the united states flag on that on this day here's the quote at homes or other suitable places on the second sunday in may as a public expression of our love and reverence for the mothers of our country so the president told us since then is the commercial interests have taken over right they're the ones with hallmark the restaurants the florists. So someone could say, well, here we go again. The world plays the tune and the church dances. The church seems to exist to serve the commercial interests of the world. They don't pay attention to what the Bible says about what the worship of the church should be like, what, you know, what we should do. And, uh, and, you know, and I know there are people who say that, say those kinds of things. I, I would probably argue the same way if somebody said, we, we want to have a, let's have worship services built around, I don't know, Groundhog Day, you know, or <laughs> April Fool's Day, let's do, you know, or, you know, National Potato Week or something, you know, I would argue in the same way, but it's not in the Bible, it's not in the Bible. But let me tell you how I, at least in my own mind, have justified an annual uh, church observation, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and really incorporated into the into the life of the church. I have always seen it as an occasion, uh, kind of an opportunity con- to, to uh, confront the culture in which we live, which over the course, I think, over the course of our whole lives, I mean, if you're in here, you're living today, our whole lives, our culture has in important ways been really hostile to at least some aspects of the biblical teaching uh, concerning motherhood and fatherhood, and really beyond that, hostile to what, at least in some important aspects, hostile to what the Bible teaches about what it means to be a man and not a woman, what it means to be a woman and not a man. It's, if you take the whole of the biblical teaching, motherhood, fatherhood, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, it's a... the biblical teaching is profoundly, many important aspects, profoundly countercultural. It is not well received in your neighborhood or where you live, where you work, at your job, in your school, on Facebook. <laughs> not no, what you what you believe about these things as Christians are not not well received. And it, and it just 
it seems astounding to me. I brought this up before, but it seems astounding to me. It just, it just hits me to think that I live at a time, and you do too, of course, that a verse like Genesis 1.27 has become deeply controversial. Fighting words, really. Here's Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That's it. This is like the most benign, obvious, <laughs> why is he even necessary to say it kind of verse for centuries and millennia. It's like, well, of course it's obvious. You know, that's just, it has become deeply controversial. And you see the problem, don't you? Male and female, he created. There's no cis this and no cis that, no trans this and no trans that, no no room for there's not a hint of Facebook's 57 gender options or whatever they are now I don't know how many but you know there's none of, there's none of that there's no where's fluidity in there where's gender fluidity in there it's not in there it's it's just what in a it, it's just it's just astounding you know to to our culture and offensive really that the bible teaches and it does that human beings come in two types, in two kinds, male and female, and goes on to say it's good. It's very good. Now just, it's been, you know, before our time, before our generation, a verse like that, male and female, he made them. It's, you know, no big deal. Unremarkable. But, it really is a big deal now to make such a bold claim that human beings come in, you know, male and female, and it's good. It, it's counter to the prevailing wisdom of our age, which, which really prefers a much more complex view. So, the, and and you really, it's on moral grounds that it's argued. You know, this is this is the way it must be. No, you can't just have male and female so that everybody can be who they are. Everybody can be unique. Everybody can be special. Everybody can be valued, appreciated as they are and live fulfilled lives. I think, this is not where I want to concentrate today, but I think it speaks to the depth of modern man's rebellion against God that even, even the divinely ordained and therefore natural distinctions between men and women, male and female, which were so plain to so many generations before us, had become so countercultural that it's that to point it out, that to say it, that to claim it, male and female, he made them as good, both made in the image of God, is uh, people hear it as hateful, hateful, get angry about it, ugly. So, so back to our start, Mother's Day, Father's Day, to me, represent kind of a tailor-made invitation to speak to these kinds of issues. And, I'll, and I've got to say this, too. Why, do we, why, is there, why is it important to have that opportunity or take that opportunity to speak to these kinds of issues? And it isn't because of all the sin and awfulness out there, <laughs> out there in the world. Oh, look what they're doing now. 
you know, look how awful they are now. No, it's not that. It's also to speak to the rebellion that's in here. In here. More subtle. More subtle. Less in your face. But, but in, the, in the church and in our hearts in the way that we think. You know, because we're, we're all, and you can't help it, we're all affected by the world we live in. We're all affected by it. You know, it's like a, the culture, you know, our culture, just living, living and, and watching some television, listening to radio and looking at reading magazines and is in the doctor's office and picks something up and read it. All of it, all of it, it's like a great, it's a river that carries everybody along in the same direction. Everybody. Some are in the middle and going faster. <laughs> some are on, their, on the edges and going slower. But it, but it wants to carry us all along. You know, old people, old people, you know, older than me. <laughs> old people who have lived long enough to have a little bit of historical perspective, right? They really do personally have a little bit of historical perspective because they remember how it was growing up. They remember their young adulthood, and they look at and they look at things today, and it's they see the change personally. They don't even read about it in a book. They lived it. And old people like to say, don't they? These young people today, <laughs> they're different. They think different. They're just, it's not the same, you know, and, they, and it's, it's not good either. <laughs> so, well, you know what? There are generations in heaven. We've been talking about this the last few weeks in heaven. There are generations in heaven now who could, I don't know if they do or not, but they could look down at the rest of us and say, these adults today, how do they think about, why do they, you know, it's different. They, they've changed. So this, you know, our, our ways of thinking, our ways, you know, even as, even as Christians, because of the culture in which we live, you know, we're, we're pulled along by the same current. And so, you know, I want to address these kinds of issues, not because just to rail against the world and how awful they are out there, but because this same, those same forces carry us along. And, it, and, it, and our ways of thinking and our ways of living and our ways of relating to one another, we have to be subject to the correcting influence of Scripture, right? We have to. Now, that's, that's my reason, <laughs> the way I've thought it all these years, of why do, you, to wanna, why do you speak to these issues, Mother's Day and Father's Day? Not because the president told us one time. Not because Hallmark wants to. Not because the restaurants need the business. You know that. No, it's because of, of these things. And at the same time, at the same time, it's almost a competing interest here in my own mind. In my, I try to avoid beating moms up on Mother's Day. I try to avoid scolding and lecturing and you know <laughs> correcting moms on Mother's Day. And, I, and same way with Father's Day. I try to avoid uh, beating up dads on Father's Day. And, I, and, I, and I've been mostly, I think uh, the years, I've been mostly successful in that. Only, and here's my evidence. One time in the past 26 years, Proverbs 31 has been my Mother's Day text. <laughs> One time. If you don't know Proverbs 31, an excellent wife who can find. You know, that, you know it's like it's this perfect woman. This perfect wife, this perfect mother. You know, the one time that's been my uh, 
that's been my text. And I, I, I listen to a lot of sermons online, and I know that, you know, I'm busy on Sundays. I don't hear them on Sundays. But from listening to so many online, I know there are a lot of preachers, a whole lot, who have no misgivings about that at all. <laughs> that they'll hammer, they seem to me, hammer the moms on, on uh, Mother's Day. And you know what? Father's Day is even worse. The Father's Day is way worse because, you know, it's, we, we're all creatures of our age and it's very popular and acceptable to these days to tell men how far short they have fallen and all the ways they've, you know, it's, it's perfectly acceptable. So it's even worse on Father's Day. But, uh, but rather than, you know, lecture moms on Mother's Day, dads on Father's Day, I'd rather give them what is lacking in our world. And that's the honor. The honor uh, that mothers are due as mothers. Just in the role, just in the identity. And fathers as fathers. And so you know, to, just to honor them as God intended, as they are and as God intended them to be. Honor. Not attack from a different angle. <laughs> you know, the Hebrew word from uh, for honor, uh, kabed, appears so often in the Old Testament. Originally meant like a, literally like heavy, weighty, uh, most of the time, it's used in a figurative sense. Like Genesis 13, Abraham was heavy with livestock and silver and gold. In other words, he's loaded. You know, he was rich. He's, he you know, he's, but that's the word, kabet, heavy. He's heavy with gold and silver and livestock goods. Numbers 22, when king of, uh, king of um, Moab Balak was trying to get the prophet Balaam to curse Israel. This is what it says, Numbers 22. Then Balak again sent leaders more, more numerous and more distinguished large men. <laughs> they, were more, they, were, they, were, they were the heavyweights of the society. You know, these were substantive, you know, important people. It used in a negative sense, Genesis 18. And the Lord said, The outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great. Their sin is exceedingly grave. It's kabed, heavy. Their sin is not light. It's not un, not frivolous. Not unserious. It's not unserious. It's weighty. It's significant. It's important. So when the Bible tells us to honor someone, to honor something, it means to recognize it for its true significance. You know, it's something weighty it's not light it's something we should take very seriously not lightly assign to it in our own minds you know the the true significance of it or him or her it's like it's like when it says that word you know honor it, it, it's like it says don't under be careful here don't underestimate don't take this lightly and of course you know, what we think about something, how we, it's reflected in the way we speak. It's reflected in the way that we act, the way, the way that we behave. But that's the consequence of it. You know, that's how you tell. That's the tell of it. Honor is not just saying nice things. 
you know, it's, it's feeling it first. It's thinking about it correctly first. And of course, you know, this day, Mother's Day or Father's Day either as well, we're told specifically to honor, right? Fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother, Exodus 20, 12. Fifth commandment. And by the way, I, it shouldn't escape our notice that Exodus 20, 12, honor your father and your mother, maintains the same distinction of roles, Genesis 1, 27. Genesis 1, he made the male and female. Uh, Exodus 20, honor your father and your mother. Same distinction. Another search doesn't say, honor your parental units. <laughs> Honor your parents. Honor your parents. Doesn't say that. You know, it's, it's honor your father and your mother. And if you have any experience at all with a father and a mother, you know in your soul. I got to argue from your experience here. But you know, you know that mother and father are not two interchangeable parental units, don't you? They are different and they do different things. And so, you know, they perform different roles. And there's no getting around it. It's, it's, it's very difficult, isn't it? Isn't it? You know, it's very difficult. You know, you've, we've seen this. It's difficult for mom to fill in what dad might have done. It's difficult for dad to fill in what a mom should do. Or it's, it's very difficult. They're different. And, you know, the, and, the, and so the, the, when you were told to honor them, we're said, Weigh them correctly, you know, see it, understand it for what it is, you know, recognize the father for who he is and what he does, recognize mother for who she is, what she, what she does, and we're to honor them, give them their proper weight, their place, position in our lives, and, and behaving toward them accordingly. It's not just with our words, right? As we think about honor sometimes, just words, you know, you get a, someone gives a speech, and that, and that is honoring. That is honoring. But, it, but it's, it's not just that. It's, it's, uh, it's how we behave, how we relate to that person or that thing that we honor in all kinds of ways. You remember, you remember how Jesus charged the Pharisees with failing to honor, right? Jesus charged the Pharisees with failing to honor their father and mother and had nothing to do with their words. They didn't honor their father and mother because of the lengths they would go to to avoid helping their aging parents financially. And which also tells us something else. Honoring takes different uh, forms in different times of life, right? These Pharisees, these adult men were not, um, were, were, were not honoring their parents, were not honoring father and mother, because they were going to all kinds of great lengths to avoid helping them. Well, that's not how a child honors their parents, right? Their mother and their father. The children aren't to provide for their mother and father, right? So it takes different forms at different times of life, different circumstances. And you remember what the Pharisees were doing. They, they had this vow of uh, Corban. You know, they would, they would uh, devote, they would think, well, mom's going to ask for this money or dad's going to ask for some help. I know it. They put their hand over their pocket and they say, Vow of Corbin, I devote this to God. And then when they're asked, they say, You know, I, you know I'd love to help you, but I've devoted to God. I have some money by which you could have been helped, 
but I've devoted to God, and you wouldn't want me to go back on that, would you? You wouldn't want me to go back on that. And, I, and I've done some reading of my own, you know, one of these things I read so you won't have to, and I've read a lot about these laws and these rules that they added on to the Old Testament law, you know, about the vow of Corban one time several, several months ago. I found, you know, in all these opinions, these rabbinic opinions, I found where there were certain, certain rabbis who issued opinions and wrote about how you could uh, rescind a vow of Corban under certain, certain circumstances. You could get out of it. If this and if that, and if you needed the money for something, you know, just different ways that you could unvow of Corban something. And if any of them, now we don't get this from, from Jesus' criticism, but if any of them, the, they did that, you know, they declare a vow of Corban over their money so they wouldn't have to help mom or dad and then later back, you know, then later rescind it and use the money for something else. Well, their, their disrespect would be, you know, would be, would be all the more. And so honoring isn't just what we say. It's giving the proper weight, the proper significance to someone in a way that you see them, in a way that you relate to them, and which is reflected in the way that you behave toward them, and that changes through life how that, how that happens and what that looks like. The Bible says, you know, honor your father and your mother. Don't underestimate. Don't take too lightly who your mother is to you or who your father is to you. You know, even in the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments are directly related to God. They, they have to do with our relationship with God. The next one is honor your father and your mother. And then come the commandments related to how we relate to others besides mother and father. You know, don't murder, don't steal, don't lie, don't commit adultery, don't covet. But right there in the middle, between God and everyone else, Mother and father, he says, don't underestimate. You know, don't treat too lightly. And the foundation stone for honoring both father and mother lies in their role as providers, really. And that's why we honor God, right? He's our creator. He gave us life. He gave us a place we live. You know, everything we are, everything we have, the breath that we breathe comes from him. He provided it. We honor him. He says, and then the word says, honor your father and your mother. Same kind of reasoning. And, you know, it's Mother's Day, not Father's Day, even though I'm bringing them both up. Mom's role as provider is unique and special, right? I mean, God has fashioned it. So in the first nine months of life, and I'm not talking birth to three months before your first birthday. I'm talking about the, the nine months that, you know, that uh, lead to birth from conception to birth but God has designed it so that we are completely on our mother right for everything we need to live she eats for us she breathes for us we're we're entirely dependent if she were to stop living we'd stop living we're completely that's how we start that's how we start. And I, and I don't know a whole lot about this, never having been a mom, but I hear that put certain impositions and, you know, 
hardships on her, I hear. Guess it ends with something they call labor. <laughs> Appropriately, I suppose. And isn't it interesting that at the birth, this way we ever, t- everyone talks, even if they're, even if they have a worldview that's kind of hostile to the, to what the Bible teaches about motherhood. We we all talk this way. She gave birth, right? She gave birth to a baby boy or baby girl. There's a giver, and there's a recipient, and this person, whoever that is to you is always that person and you're always the one who received it and this is just the way God's made it no descendant of Adam and Eve who has ever lived and does not was it was not given birth by a woman and that's not just the Bible telling us it's a pretty stubborn fact of nature you know if if nature were subject to a popular vote uh, men would when men would have been made to bear their fair share of the babies a long time ago, don't you think? <laughs> but no, this is a this is a, a role that's given exclusively to women, and the Bible says there is an honor due from all of us to that person. And and a mother's provision doesn't stop with birth of course is anybody any moms here so when the baby's born great I don't have to provide for them anymore <laughs> it kind of starts there you know in some ways it starts there right it doesn't end there it starts you know we, we become you know when we're born born people that we become a little more involved in our own sustenance but you know but in, in a lot of ways we are still completely dependent I I, I think it's a little ironic how people talk about this is in the abortion debate you know, people talk about the viability you know the viability of a uh, of an infant or a fetus infant as the point and this is the de- definition of it I don't think I'm being unfair it's viability is understood as the point at which um, a baby becomes independent of its mother well if that's the definition it doesn't come for years and years and years, right? I mean, let mom go on a women's retreat. Some houses, dad's viability is an open question, right? It's a <laughs> Proverbs 31 says, and just an allusion, just a little one, Proverbs 31 she, talking about mom, is like merchant ships. She brings her food from food city. From afar, really. From afar. She rises while it's still night, gives food to her household, portions to her maidens. She looks well to the ways of her household, and she does not eat the bread of idleness. You know, it's due, that, it's that role, that who she is, is due honor. Like, weigh this properly. Don't take it lightly. How do you do that? Well, Proverbs 31 gives part of the answer. It is reflected in the way that we speak. And by the way, listen to this, it's not to her, it's about her. Her children rise up and bless her. That's to her. Her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. 
and they speak of her in the marketplace and to the men of the city. They speak to her, they speak about her, and there's honor there. But like I say, it's it's more than that because Jesus charged the Pharisees with dishonoring their agents, had nothing to do with what they said. It's how they acted toward they wouldn't provide for their parents in, in, in old age. And Jesus is in effect saying, you Pharisees, you weigh your parents, your mother and your father, too lightly. You, you fail to recognize who they are to you, what they've done for you. You know, you don't, you're, not, you're not weighing this right. And the Bible also speaks of the parents, and there's another reason for honor. And really, another way to do it in a different time, a way that's more, the younger you are, the more appropriate it is, or at least I won't say the younger you are, but if you're a child, you live at home with your, with your mother or your father, it applies particularly to you. The Bible speaks of honoring a mother or a father's inherent authority in the hierarchy of God. Children, as I said, children aren't expected to honor their parents by providing for them, but they do honor them by recognizing the authority that they have under God in their lives. You know, it's it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to get young people interested in theology, especially if you tell them it's theology. Well, it's the same with adults. It's the same with adults. Tell them it's theology, they glaze over. Sometimes if you don't tell them it's theology, it's fine. But listen... Here's some theology that all young people would be interested in. Isn't it good to know that the law has been fulfilled in Christ when you consider a passage like this? Deuteronomy 21. If any man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother, and when they chastise him, he will not even listen to them, then his father and mother shall seize him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gateway of his hometown. They shall say to the elders of his city, the son, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He's a glutton and a drunkard, which, which kind of brings to mind an adult adolescent, doesn't it? He's a glutton and a drunkard. Uh, then all the men of his city shall stone him to death. So you shall remove the evil from your midst, and all Israel will hear of it in fear. So if you're a young person, you, you live in a house with your mother and your father. You should be glad that that's, you know, your mother and father don't think that they should turn you over to the men of the city to be stoned to death because of your chronic um, disobedience. The law doesn't apply to us in the same way as it applied to them because it's fulfilled in Christ. But it does, it is a tutor, it leads us to Christ, it tells us what sin is, it tells us the cost of sin, how serious it is so that you weigh it more heavily and you see it. And it's in the New Testament too. Ro- Romans 1. You, you get disobedience to, parent, uh, disobedience to parents in a long list of sins, and to us it doesn't seem to fit very well. Now, just a verse, just a verse. They are slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Doesn't it sound out of place? Like it's not in the middle of a bunch of serious, serious things. There's this disobedience to parents, this trifle. What's that? You know, it sounds like they're, they're perverts, they're murderers, they 
chew with their mouth open. They say, that doesn't seem to fit. That's not so bad. You know, disobedience to parents. And yet, yet there it is. It seems like a category mistake, but, it's, but it isn't. And it shows us that God weighs some sins very heavily that we treat lightly. And that's what honoring is, right? Consider the true weightiness of something. You know, in, in Ephesians 6, Paul calls the fifth commandment, he says, it's the first commandment with promise. And then he quotes the whole, the whole thing. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Parenthesis, this is the first commandment with a promise. And here's what... Here's a translation of what it says in the rest of Exodus 20:12, that it may go. That's language every child can understand. Obey mommy so that you can live a long time. Like till tomorrow. <laughs> First commandment with a threat. <laughs> obedience. But what is obedience? You know, why is obedience honoring? You know, if this is... You know, if you live with your parents, I mean, it changes as you get older. It changes as you get older. But at this, at this stage, how is it honoring? Because you recognize, at least in some degree, the true weightiness, the true gravity, uh, the true significance of who these people are to you. It doesn't have anything to do with you. If, if you thought it was a good idea what they told you to do, if you agree with it, you know, you honor them by saying, no, this is my mother. This is my father. God's given them authority in my life. And isn't it interesting? You can't disobey the fifth commandment without disobeying God. You can't disobey your mother and your father without disobeying God. And it, and it really is, you know, it's a, it, it is a, uh, it's the first classroom in which we learn respect for authority, which is a very handy life skill, isn't it? And if you live at home with your parents, you, you know, you really do have to, you really have to grow up to the place where someone in authority can tell you something, tell you to do something that you don't want to do and you don't think it's a good idea without saying, no, you can't make me. You can't control me forever. I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. You know, that will not serve you well in life. <laughs> An employer might think, this person has trouble relating to authority. <laughs> he or she will not live long in the land of this corporation. <laughs> let's end with this why do you think God arranged it I mean this is the way it is I hope I've described it well you know talking about the authority of parents who they are to you you know and they and how they provide for us and the honors do there I hope you see that that's right but let me ask you why did God make it that way why did he arrange it so that we that with between parents and children so that we're to honor them in different ways all through life, right? All through life. You know, the authority changes as you, 
you know, you grow up and you have a household of your own, but still you're to honor them in different ways, right? I, I even think we can honor those that are no longer here. But it, why did God make it where this relationship, child to father, child to mother, is, 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 has some uh, meaning for us and puts some obligations on us that go all through life? It's because father and mother are divinely intended living pictures of what God is and wants to be to us. It's, it's His authority uh, over us that is ultimate, isn't it? And, and by the way, even obeying... I don't want... Well, it just has to be said. I was going to say, I don't want to give the kids ammo against their parents but if they live at home. But listen... It's true that parental authority over a child is circumscribed by God's authority over your life, right? If doing what mom or dad tells you to do is to disobey God, if you have to disobey God to do what they want, their authority is ended there. What do you do in a situation like that? Bible's clear. We must obey God rather than man. So, so ultimately, this under the authority of your parents is, is a recognition of God's authority over over all of us, over every human life. So parental authority, directly related to God's authority, it's a picture. It's a, it's a picture. God meant for it to be a picture. From the day you're born, God gave you a picture of Him. It's in mother. It's in father. And yet, even though we've all disobeyed, we've all failed to honor We've all disobeyed parents. We've all disobeyed God. We've all failed to honor parents. We've all failed to honor God. We've, we've, given, we've failed to give both of them their proper authority, their proper weight. We've seen them more lightly than we ought to have seen them, and we've behaved that way. And even despite our disobedience, God has provided, right? That's the other source of the reason for honor. He provided for us. You know, I said... I, I tried to be careful of my words. I wanted to say our mothers gave us birth. They did not give us life, really, when you try to think of God. Who gives life? God. Mother and father instruments of, but God is the one, you know, mothers gave us birth. Who knit us together in our mother's womb? Mom didn't know anything about that, how to do that. God does that. And Jesus tells us that our talking about God as our as our provider, Father in heaven. That's His words. His comparison makes His Son rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the just and unjust. Even when we go our own way, God provided, just like your mother and father did in those times when you went your own way, right? How many, how many times did you fail to honor, fail to obey, and, uh, and your mother or your father says, that's it, you're out of here, you're gone. I'm not providing for you anymore. 
It doesn't happen very easily, does it? God is in the same way. God's a provider. Jehovah Jireh, right? Jehovah Jireh comes from Genesis 22 and really points to the ultimate provision of God. Genesis 22, the Father in heaven provided a substitute, the ram caught by his thorns in the thickets for, for Isaac. It's a picture. The ram is a picture of Christ. Isaac is too, but the ram is a picture of Christ. God's provision. Genesis 22, so Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And that mount is also a picture. It's Golgotha. When God provided the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He provides. He provides. Jesus himself said of Jerusalem, How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. So God compares you know, the, himself to a father. Jesus compares himself to a mother. And these are pictures. Father, mother, pictures of what God is and wants to be to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Don't weigh it too lightly. That's what it means to honor. And what do we not weigh too lightly? Not just the, the picture of, of what God wants to be to us, what God is to us, mother and father, but God himself who these things picture. Hebrews asks, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Well, it's a rhetorical question. The answer is we won't, we won't, we won't. We won't enter the next world apart from the Father's love, apart from Christ's sacrifice, any more than you could enter this world without a mother and a father. Honor your father and your mother ultimately to obey that is to honor God who wants to be father to every one of us and who will gather us together as a mother hen gathers her chicks if we'll have it heavenly father grant grace in this place and in these people so that we will all see what we have to see rightly to weigh things appropriately in accordance with what is right and what is true. Help us to give honor to whom it's due, especially today the honor due a mother in a way that's appropriate to our lives and, and where we are in life right now. Perhaps submitting to her authority or caring for her in her old age or even honoring her memory and give all insight into the realities to which mother and father point. A loving heavenly father who longs to gather his children together like a mother hen gathering her chicks under her wings. A heavenly father who's provided his own son that he might acquire many sons and many daughters by adoption through faith in him. We pray in his name. Amen.